Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit is rampant. Bullshit. Light this bitch up. Bullshit. I am fucking exhausted. It's a good kisser, by the way. Welcome to the Bullshit Filter News Show, episode 53, recorded this day of our Republican insurgency, the 25th of October, <laughs> 2019. Republicans uh, are storming their way into uh, congressional yeah. investigations, right? Jeez. It's 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 like the last days of the Roman Republic, you know. At, at some point, because we were going to talk about this last weekend. At what point do do the cops and the SWAT teams and the army? At what point do they have to start taking sides? Uh -huh. I mean, you know, because we we might get into it later. But the point is, no. it, it seems to be getting there. We're not going to get into it later. We got too much too much okay. too much Ukraine Next to week. talk about. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Uh, but yes, no, look, I was talking to Chrissy about it uh, last night and I was saying, you know, it just takes one of these incidents uh, where Absolutely. somebody accidentally, uh, you know, their gun goes off. <laughs> Why? Or someone takes a swing at somebody. Yeah. yeah a shot gets fired and yeah. it, it, it would, in theory, give someone like Trump the ability to declare, uh, I don't know, martial law, something. State of emergency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The things, the things are, tension, tensions are rising. Um, at some point, it, it could possibly overflow and people need to take sides, as you say. Anyway, not this week. This week, I want to talk uh, mostly about Ukraine. A lot of things have come out. I think it was a couple of weeks since we did our biden and burisma story um i've read up a lot of new stuff since then uh new thoughts uh, uh that i want to talk about but um before that i want to play a clip from a podcast i was listening to yesterday this is the unauthorized disclosure podcast they had uh, matt taibbi on as a guest uh if you're not familiar with matt taibbi sort of political journalist with the Rolling with Rolling Stone magazine for, for many years. I mm -hmm. uh, did work for Glenn Greenwald's uh, Intercept for a little bit, but something then he left and uh, he went back to Rolling Stone's, written quite a few really great books, one of my favourite journalists. Um, anyway, mm -hmm. listen, I'm going to try and get this queued up, so bear with me. Uh, hopefully this will work. people trying to deal with how there isn't one place they can go to understand everything yeah absolutely and he's he's completely right and that's that's one of the reasons why his show is popular because or you know it's right now just to take the ukraine story for an example you know if you if you turn on cnn or the new york times or the washington post you basically know you're getting the anti-trump take on everything which which may be, you know, factually consistent in most areas, but you you want to have somebody who's not interested 
in the political outcome, just kind of just kind of run down what the facts are. So, for instance, you know, I wrote about this yesterday. Every single kind of blue state media report on Ukraine can, contains a disclaimer whenever they mention Hunter, Hunter Biden or Joe Biden, that there's no evidence of any wrongdoing. Uh, <laughs> and it's like a Surgeon General warning that they stick into the newscast. And the problem with that is that I don't know that that's 100% true. Like even me as a journalist, I don't, I don't know that that's true. I think that there's some indication that, you know, why, why is the vice president's son getting a $50,000 a month no-show job with a Ukrainian gas company while his dad's vice president? I don't think you can just say that there's nothing there. Um, and yet, you know that if you turn on those, those news outlets, that's what you're going to get. And I think what people want is what, what they had more in the past, which is people who really didn't care, or, or at least professionally didn't care um, what the political meaning of, of what they were reporting was, and they just sort of they sort of chase down all the angles and let you figure it out, uh, and that that doesn't really exist anymore. Not not that much. Yeah. Yeah, just like does on this show, Matt. Uh, that's 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 why we exist. Uh, somebody let Matt know that we that's what we do. I'm going to keep playing. Right hearing about the actual facts of this is what's going on here and there and like you kind of put it together as opposed to like everything being so editorialized and it really is on every channel it's kind of like the fox newsification of everything for like whatever audience yeah no absolutely is consuming it yeah no. but I, i'm also like curious like uh i don't know if we wanted to move here yet but i guess we will because you know i i work for in the now Right, which is like in basically like a subsidiary of RT, um, and I really like working there. It's really great. I get to just like talk shit on camera and kind mm -hmm. of say what I want. It's cool. Um, but like something me and Kevin talk about on the show is uh, how like I there was a time when I did get to like write for bigger outlets that like weren't state funded, but then the second I opened my mouth about Syria and actually went to Syria. I suddenly became like a taboo person and I couldn't get work anywhere else. And I got pushed into the only place that will like hire me right. is RT affiliated. Like at this point, that's kind of where I'm at, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so I don't know, does that like, is that like a new thing in media where like people ostracize you to the point of like, because, and for Syria, like, yes, I had an opinion, but I also was just being really factual. I'm like, the US is like arming really bad people. Like that was pretty much what I got in trouble for saying. Um, and like that, I just got like deluged with like endless sneers that even like, even leftist outlets were like, sorry, we can't publish you. Like, because everyone hates you so much. So yeah. like, is that like, does that sound like a familiar thing? Like where people end up, it's kind of crazy. People end up having to turn to like, to like adversary state funded media for work if they want to be in journalism. Because like otherwise they can't well, in sure. America. Yeah, no, and 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 you know that that's how that's how propaganda works. You 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 they, you try to create like an ick factor around people, uh, and it's not so much that you know somebody's coming in, some political commissar is telling you that you can't say this or can't say that, but you you do have there's an unspoken message that if you say X, Y, or Z that you're going to, again, you're going to be shunned by everybody and you're going to have, you know, you're going to, it used to be you're, you were going to have to wander the wilds of the alternative weekly um, business, but uh, since the, that's been kind of wiped out, um, now, you know, RT is an, is an example of a place where people can go. And if, I think if, you know, people complain about RT, but if they didn't want people to watch RT, 
they would create uh, programming where you could go to be anti-war or against mm -hmm. street or, you know, right now you, you can, it's easy to get a media job if you used to work for the NSA or the, um, <laughs> or the Pentagon. But if you, if you're an anti-war person, like, good luck, you know what I mean? That's, that's kind of the problem. I think, you know, a lot of the complaints about RT and, and, and I lived in Russia when VOA and RFERL were, were still big there. And, you know, the, they're not equivalent exactly, but there's, there's, you know, there's some crossover there because the Americans were hiring everybody who was a dissident in Russia. And, mm -hmm. and that's, that's kind of what happens with RT. You know, they're, they're, they're taking advantage of the fact that, that there are taboos in American media. So, you know, it, it, that's a thing now. You're, you're right. So yeah, that's basically what I wanted to talk about. Like the the, the thing he was mm -hmm. talking about before about uh, the the single message about no evidence of wrongdoing with absolutely Biden, that was the thing that first I've seen that all over exactly. And and people keep saying that yeah. to me on Facebook. People like Markham. The, the, well, there's no evidence of wrongdoing. Yeah, why do you keep saying that? Like it's true. Why? <laughs> why we don't do you know? Either yes. way, yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, and just this whole idea that the 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 uh, the foxification of media in the U.S. Uh, in the last few years, where they just are running this, I don't know, it probably goes back earlier than that, but they're just running this this single line over and over and over again. And if you question it, as Radia Kalik was saying, if you take an if you if you're in the media and you try and take an anti-war position or an anti-Wall Street mm -hmm. position, that's it, you're done. And those people then do end up on RT or podcasts or doing their own thing. Because outside of a very small number of places like Rolling Stone magazine, you're not allowed to say that. You're not allowed to speak out against the military-industrial complex that's running the US. Look at what's happening with Tulsi Gabbard at the moment. She's speaking out about it. All of a sudden, Hillary Clinton is calling her a Russian asset. Why? Because she's speaking yeah. out about... War. She's speaking. She's speaking out against America's military involvement. So, boom, Russian asset. I, yeah, I just find that absolutely amazing. I mean, Hillary Clinton, as far as I think most of America is concerned, is retired, and that's a forced retirement. So nobody wants to hear from her. I don't know why she felt the need to come out and slam this person because I mean, America's already showed how much we don't think of Hillary Clinton. Oh, well, that will tell you that she won three million more votes than Trump did, Ray. Mm -hmm. Just in the wrong place. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> look, I, I get this all the time. If, if, if you point out the flaws in the Ukraine gate coverage or back when it was the Russia gate coverage or the Tulsi Gabbard Russian agent coverage, then you're immediately mm -hmm. called a Trump fan. And people try and use terms like whataboutism or false equivalency right. with you. I get this all the time from people yeah. on Facebook. Right. It doesn't work on me because I don't live there. So I don't give a shit what people say or what they think. I just call it as I see it. But I can imagine it works yeah. a lot on people over there. And you know what it reminds me of? It's thought control straight out of George Orwell, straight out of 1984. Right. If you say the things the establishment and their obedient mind slaves don't want said out loud, it's a thought crime. You're not allowed to say that. And you immediately right. get tagged as a Trump fan. Now, anyone who's listened to me on 
this show or on Facebook over the years knows that I'm about as far from a Trump fan as you can get. Uh, but people, you know, Markham says it all, to, all the time to me on Facebook. I don't understand why you like Trump so much. Like, fucking what? Like, d- <laughs> how did you get that? Yeah. How dumb a comment is that? Uh, because, because it's because if you point out the flaws in their team's argument, you're automatically supposedly a supporter of the other team. It's ridiculous. Binary worldview. Right. But that's the way propaganda works in the West, which is, I think, is what Matt Taibbi was trying to say there is uh, they don't arrest people in the West who say inconvenient things all of the time. Sometimes we do. Like if, if you're a Julian Assange or an Edward Snowden or a, um, uh, 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 shit, who's the, uh, what's girl, a person girl is in prison. Yeah. yeah. Um, can't remember. Her name. Oh, go but on. If you leak, important information like that they will put you in prison right. but for, for for most people what they'll do is just try and yeah. shut you down you don't get a platform on the free media which is of course either corporate owned or corporate funded through advertising mm-hmm. and uh online etc increasingly you're getting uh, taken down off of uh the social media services facebook and twitter but here yeah. you see people getting taken down all, all right. the time um or you just get shut down by people saying, uh, you know, calling you names, thinking that that will shut you up because no one wants to be tarred with those brushes. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just peer pressure. I mean, it worked in high school. It works now. But and all you have to do is all you have to do is pay attention and you will very quick, quickly pick up what you're not allowed to say, or, you know, you're, maybe you hear someone else getting chastised or maybe you get slapped on the wrist once on, on some Facebook discussion, but it doesn't take much to pick up on what you're not supposed to say. And most of us just want to get along and not cause trouble and not be pointed out, like you said. And so the vast majority keep their mouths shut and try not to push boundaries anywhere because it's, it's gotten to the point now where it's just not worth it. Yeah, um, and I have to keep reminding people on Facebook, listen, just play the ball, not the man, right? If you disagree with something that I say, yeah. with, with either a fact or my interpretation of the facts, then explain where I'm wrong. But coming out and just using silly words and names like, oh, well, why do you love Trump so much? Or that's just whataboutism, or that's false equivalency, or whatever. That's just, yeah. these are just attempts to shut down the discussion. They're not actually having a discussion. They're not talking about facts. They're avoiding talking about facts by using these words, which are designed just to terminate the discussion. It's kind of like they they think they can pull out a a get-out-of-jail-free card, throw it on the table. These people probably played a lot of Dungeons & Dragons when they were younger. They think they can slap (laughs) down some sort of magic spell card. Boom! And it's going right. to, ha, I win, I'm out. Uh, no. I cast a spell. Yeah. yeah. Speaking oh, of. throw a smoke bomb down and then they run away. Go ahead. Speaking of Biden and the Ukraine, um, mm-hmm. as I said earlier, I, I've been doing uh, a lot of reading uh, in the last couple of weeks uh, on some, a lot more of the background of the economics of Ukraine and uh, some of the mm. stuff that's going on there. May may surprise you to learn, Ray that um, yeah. you know a lot of the, the, the causes, some people think, of the 
maiden revolution in 2014 had to do with economics. Uh, I know this this will probably right. surprise you. Um, not yes. being facetious. So Ukrainian prosecutor uh, Kostiantin Kulik compiled a seven-page right. dossier in English that accused Hunter Biden, son of former Vice President Joe Biden, of corruption in his involvement with Burisma. You know, people keep saying there's no evidence of wrongdoing. I go, well, what about Kulik's dossier? He's the Ukrainian prosecutor, was a Ukrainian prosecutor. Uh, they go, well, that's, you can't trust. Politically motivated. Yeah, you yeah, can't trust him. Sons of bitch. And maybe they're right. right. Maybe you can't trust him, but that's allegations of wrongdoing. Is it evidence of wrongdoing? I don't know. I haven't read the dossier. I'm not sure what's in it. People say, well, that's not evidence. I go, I don't know. Have you read it? No. Well, how, how do you know it doesn't contain <laughs> evidence of wrongdoing? <laughs> yes, it's an allegation of wrongdoing, but you would think in right. any normal situation, an allegation of wrongdoing by a prosecutor, chief prosecutor of a country or the assistant to the chief prosecutor, I think he was at the time, the assistant right. yep. uh, prosecutor, would be... Taken seriously. Now, you know, you, you may say, well, it, it's not credible. But to know that, you have to yeah. take it seriously. You can't just automatically go, well, it's not credible. Now, Kulik was the deputy for Yuri Lutsenko, who we've, we've talked a little bit about before, but there's some new things that have happened with Lutsenko since the last show that we did. Um, mm. Lutsenko was removed... Uh, by the new president, uh, Mr. Television Comedian, as the chief <clears throat> prosecutor. But right. uh, back in May, Lutsenko told the New York Times he was scrutinizing the millions of dollars that Hunter Biden took out of Burisma. So mm. in, the, in the years that Hunter Biden was on the board and Devin Archer, his partner, were on the board of Burisma, they, I think they got paid three point something million dollars US uh, for what was right. essentially, as Matt TV said, a no-show job. A bit like how well, in, the advisor. in the Sopranos, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the mob would get, made men would get a job on a union uh, somewhere right. they they would never turn up, <laughs> like on a construction right. site. They're the union supervisor. Yeah. They never turned up, but the union would pay them uh, mm -hmm. as a way of you know keeping the keeping the mob happy. That was their yeah their, um, scam. That's how you do it, right? Now we didn't play this last time, but for people who haven't heard it, I want to play it and then I'm going to talk uh, to it. This is the clip of Joe Biden himself. Uh, a year or so ago, I think, talking about how he got rid of the prosecutor, bragging about how he got rid of the chief prosecutor mm -hmm. of the Ukraine. Uh, and uh, so I got Ukraine. And uh, um, I remember going over convincing our team, our <coughs> others to convincing us that we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, right, I guess, the 12th, 13th time to Kiev and... Uh, and I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had they were walking out to press conference and said, no, nah, I said, I'm not going to, we're not going to give you the billion dollars. 
They said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. <laughs> I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> got fired. And they put in place someone who was solid. Right. So if you haven't mm. heard that before, <clears throat> he's uh, bragging, you know. He's pretty yeah. happy Pretty happy with himself. Uh, I said, call him. Hey, hey. Yeah. Right. Now, right. Lutsenko is the guy that Biden said was solid. So Shokin was the prosecutor that he wanted fired. Shokin, of course, had had said and has said since then that he was investigating Burisma, the company that Hunter Biden was on the board of, which Biden, uh, in that talk, neglects to mention. Um uh, and it was replaced with Yuri Lutsenko. Now, well, Mr. Mm-hmm. Solid uh, is now under investigation again in the Ukraine by the new government of the oh, Ukraine. He already, right. back in 2012, as I said in our last uh, show on this, he already spent four years in jail for embezzlement and abuse of office. Then... God. When the government changed over after the Maidan protests in 2014 and Poroshenko, the Chocolate King TV station owner, right. became president, uh, he, 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 he uh, gave uh, Lutsenko a pardon and made him the chief prosecutor eventually. Uh, when when Biden told him to fire the existing chief prosecutor. Now, as I mentioned last time too, Lutsenko was the when he when he got out of jail was the uh, head of Poroshenko's political party. Uh, by oh. the way, do you know where Lutsenko, the chief prosecutor uh, of the Ukraine, basically the equivalent of the attorney general? Do you know where he mm-hmm. got his uh, law degree? Um. I'm going to guess Harvard. I have no idea. I have no idea. Trick question. Uh, He doesn't have one. Uh... (laughs) So I'm qualified for all this job. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. I am in the wrong country. If I could just add real quick. Hold on. Hold on. Go ahead. He he has a degree in engineering. Mm. And his father was the secretary the general secretary, like the head of the uh, Communist what? Party of the Ukraine. Coincidence. Huh. <laughs> anyway, please yeah. continue. Yeah, what were you going to say? No, I I was just going to say that um, basically, and I'm sure a lot of listeners know this so they could figure it out really quickly, but for right now and for some years in the past and probably for some years to come, um, the Ukraine or Ukraine is the Wild West. I mean, there are plenty of people who have been charged or still in government. And that, that Kulik, if I'm saying his name right, he was brought up on charges in October of 2016 for illicit enrichment, which we may or may not get into later. But he was still given that job as deputy head of the Department of International Legal Cooperation uh, with the uh, prosecutor general's office. So the point is, he's under indictment, he's being investigated, and he was still given the promotion. So it's the Wild West in the Ukraine. I think everybody knows it. Russia knows that they're playing their they're playing the cards as we can. And I think Biden was doing the same thing, but you can't get on or talk before P 
people brag about it and then give Trump a hard time. It just doesn't work that way. And just one last thing, because I know you're going to go on. The seven-page document that Kulik came up with, I haven't read it. I haven't seen it. But just because he may be Biden's enemy doesn't make it not true. And again, I don't know if you need seven pages. I think you just need one page. And the one page would say Joe Biden's son was paid 300 or $600,000 a month for a job in another country in a field he doesn't know anything about. And as far as we know, he never showed up. Maybe he sat in on some teleconference calls. But other than that, I mean, I just need someone to explain that to me to make it make sense. And then I'll quit assuming that there is where there's smoke, there's fire. Mm. Yeah, well, I'll uh, drill down into that uh, a little bit as All we right. go. But I want to I want to talk about um, some of the background on Ukraine and the Maidan revolution, which I mean, we did a show on this, I think, I know, going back a long time ago. But um, some some it's more important. some more background yeah. on on how it came to right. be. So okay. Um, anyway, Lutsenko becomes prosecutor general after Shokin is fired. He's very he's he's a guy who's solid, according to Joe Biden. Um, right. uh, when he became prosecutor general, he pretty much immediately dropped the investigation into Burisma and Zlochevsky, uh the the mm. owner of Burisma, who's like this uh, gas oligarch. After though, Ukrainian politician and activist Katarina Hadjuk died from an acid attack in November 2018, human rights organizations and and NGOs were demanding the resignation of Lutsenko. Um, Mm. Now, the the background behind this is a little bit murky, but um, she was, as I said, like an anti-corruption campaigner, political advisor. She was attacked with sulfuric acid, in July of Jesus. 2018, um, a man just, as she was leaving her house, I think, threw sulfuric acid over her and ran away. She had severe burns to more than 30% of her body. She died uh, a few months later. Um, you know, she the, the Ukrainians did arrest five suspects, um, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't think anything happened to them. It sort of just, uh, right. you know, went nowhere. Right. There's no real yeah. investigation into it. So people, so, uh, you know, as I said, human rights organizations were calling for the resignation of Lachenko. He offered his resignation after it got fairly uh, hot, but Poroshenko mm-hmm. wouldn't accept it. Again, they were they were good buddies. Um, then Poroshenko yeah. lost the election in December 2018 to the television comedian Zelensky. Uh, when when Zelensky took over, took power, Lutsenko was basically fired, and now he's up on more mm-hmm. charges. Uh, Ukraine's State God. Bureau of Investigations has opened criminal proceedings against him over possible abuse of power when he was chief prosecutor. So, as you said before, Ukraine's the Wild West and and has been since the collapse of the Soviet Union uh, Mm. 20, 20, uh, 30, 30 years ago, nearly 30 years ago. Mm. 
um, as has, you know, Russia, Ukraine, a lot of these places when the Soviet Union collapsed just became the opportunities for typically KGB connected guys to uh, snap right. up the rights to all of these things, uh, you know, energy companies, et cetera, et cetera, mining, energy, telecommunications, and they've become billionaire oligarchs. Um, and, and Ukraine's a great example. So anyone who's an expert in Ukraine will tell you that everybody's corrupt, like all, all the senior government officials right. over there. So the, the, this is the, um, you know, the great irony when people say, well, you know, oh, no, Biden, they were right to, Biden was right to put pressure on to get rid of uh, Shokin because he was corrupt. But then they replaced him with a guy mm. who Biden said was solid, also allegedly corrupt. Now they say Kulik, right. Lushenko's deputy, who's come out with evidence against, with this dossier, was corrupt. Everyone's corrupt. So why do you listen to one corrupt guy? They'll say, well, look, Lushenko <laughs> has recently said there was no evidence that there was any wrongdoing. We believe him, but he's supposedly corrupt. Yeah. He, went to, he was in jail for corruption and abuse of power. He's up in charges again. Oh my God. But we don't believe the guys who say there is evidence of wrongdoing because they're corrupt it just you know it, it it's but people are saying this like people are, are believing the the propaganda right. story no evidence of wrongdoing but they and they don't go beyond that they just repeat that like it's a magic mantra but they don't it's like it's know what they're fact. talking about yeah like it's a fact yeah exactly yeah uh, yeah, no, apparently the new charges are that Lachenko uh, may have conspired to provide cover for illegal gambling businesses in Ukraine. I mean, that's yeah, doesn't it's sound, a wild west. Yeah, and now the claims exactly. against him were first raised by a guy called David Arakamia, who's a member of Zelensky's political party, the Servant of the People Party. So it's the new government that apparently right. was brought in to clean up corruption that's laid charges against the guy that Biden said was Mr. Solid. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I guess the thing is, it's it's a quagmire. Why don't we just be honest and say it's a quagmire? And it would be refreshing if CNN said there's this dossier but the, the latest government saying there is nothing. I mean, j just be honest and say we don't know, but that's not what's going on. The American news media who are owned by whoever, uh, you know, they they're they know which side they need to choose in order to keep their jobs and that kind of stuff. But no one's being honest. And that's why you get little things like RTs and uh, other news agencies that, that can hopefully break through because they're willing to either speak more truth to power or they're, they're willing to just give you the facts and let you decide. But I'm not surprised that things like that are on the rise because we're, hit, we're sitting here pointing out the corruption of Ukraine we're, we're just as corrupt as in as is any nation, but we just feel that when we do it, it's somehow okay or it's better than the other guys. So it's it, it just sickening after a while. Mm. Yeah, look the 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 thing that gets me about most people is they can't see apparently how ridiculously dodgy the whole Biden affair is. Here's how I've been putting it yes. the last couple of weeks. Come on, first of all. Right. Like this, to me, this is the basics that everyone should be able to agree on. And if you can't, then it's an indication that you, you're... You don't want to. You're, you're blinded by bias and cognitive dissonance. Right. 
First of all, Hunter Biden should never have taken a job like that in the Ukraine while his father was the vice president of the United States and the official ambassador to the country. Right. Second, once Joe Biden found out Hunter had taken the job, he should have begged him to quit. And if Hunter refused to quit, Joe should have gone public with the fact that he begged his son to quit. Yeah. Right up front. Listen, uh, you may have heard that my son has taken a job with Burisma in the Ukraine. I want everyone to know that I've told him not to do it and I've asked him to step down because it looks dodgy as fuck, but he's told me to go fuck myself. Just want everyone to know that, look, I love my son. My other son, Bo, recently died and and Hunter's now fucking his wife. So, you know, I guess that's nice. I don't know. It's complicated. That's a way of, you know. For somebody, yeah, (laughs) dealing with it. Listen, it's messy. But I just want want you to know that I love him. Right. Uh, He's my kid. But that I've, look. Right. Nothing, nothing untoward going on here. I've asked him to quit. Right. Third, there is no fucking way Joe should then have been the guy to put the boot to the yes. chief prosecutor who was supposedly investigating the company Joe's son was a director of. No fucking way anyone right. with half That's a That's not fuck- even close. With half- right, right. No fucking way that anyone with half a fucking brain wouldn't see that that would come back to burn him. Should have stayed right the hell out of it. And should have been public afterwards why he stayed the hell out of it. It's a conflict of interest, Joe. You don't... A massive one. ...push to get a guy fired who's investigating the company that your son's a on the fucking board of you don't do it should have had other people do it and then should have come out and said well listen uh yes it was the administration's policy to get rid of this guy but for obvious reasons of conflict of interest my son's on the board i i wasn't involved in that conversation at all i stayed right the fuck away from it i said no i I can't do that let the ambassador do it let let obama make the phone call let somebody else do it not me no thank you don't want to get my hands dirty with that Pontius Pilate, wash my hands, walk away, let the Jews kill Jesus, nothing to do with me. But none of these things happened. In fact, the contrary, exactly. Joe stood, went on, get on stage at the Council of Foreign Relations where they played the video before and bragged about it and still never yes. mentioned the conflict of interest involved. Now, if you can't see all of that is as dodgy as fuck then right. I'm, I'm sorry you are f- you're either an idiot you're suffering from cognitive bias or cognitive dissonance or you're just full of shit and you won't acknowledge that that looks dodgy and as you said before if yeah. the media if the mainstream media these professional fucking journalists who're supposed to be able to tell an honest story were coming out and saying right. what I just said the supposed left media right we know the that- version the, yeah. Yes, oh, well, yeah. maybe, yeah. The corporate media, which is supposedly most half right. left, at least, we, we know they're not because they're owned by corporations. They're just, they, they're, they're on the side of one set of billionaires versus the right, which are on the side of the other 
half right. of the billionaires. But if they were coming out and basically giving a version of that story, yeah, listen, this is what should have happened. The fact that it didn't happen. Like, here's the thing. Even if, and to, I'll give Joe Biden and, and his son complete credit, even if there's nothing untoward that happened here, even if Hunter Biden didn't knowingly or unknowingly do anything wrong and Joe Biden didn't knowingly or unknowingly mm-hmm. do anything wrong, even if that is true, he's a fucking moron. Like, there's there's right. no fucking way this guy should be president. You don't need another <clears throat> moron as president. Another, If he couldn't work that shit work. out for himself, then, yeah. sorry, he's not, he's not qualified. And everyone, yeah. with a sh- if you have a shred of integrity, even as a Democrat, you should be standing up and saying... Yeah, no, he's he's not fit for office. If he if he if he didn't stand up and 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 separate himself from that whole issue, exactly. he's not fit for office. Have. Now, I know his son died uh, back in whatever it was, 2013, 2014. Um, I know mm-hmm. that's terrible, terrible tragedy, and maybe he wasn't thinking clearly at that time. But his son Hunter stayed on the board for another five years. Uh, at no point Jeez. in that five years, look, there's a grieving period and all that kind of stuff, sure. But at no point, and it maybe if you know if he'd let it happen in 2014 and then stood up a year or two later and said, "Sorry, uh, when all this was going on, I was I was in negotiations with the Ukraine and all this kind of stuff." But, but you know, my son had died and I wasn't thinking clearly. You know, I, I, but now I'm saying, "Sorry, this is wrong, uh, Hunter. Get the fuck out. Uh, let's clean up this mess." I would be going, hey, fair enough. I, I would give him a pass for that. But it never happened. Right, right. Or, or the other thing, a, a moment of honesty that Joe Biden could have had. You know what? I like being vice president. I, I think I'm ready for the White House. One day I want to run for president. And in that vein, uh, since my son won't step away from his uh, position uh, with Burisma, I'm going to ask the pre- president to appoint someone else to be his liaison to the Ukraine because clearly it's a conflict of interest and I just don't. I just want to not fuck myself over as I run for president one day. Thank you much for your time. I mean, just... Even if you want to give us a selfish, honest reason, just do something. But like you said, all of the options you just laid out, not one of them happened. You've got at least to go, huh, that's suspicious. Just give me that. Yeah, well, even if not suspicious, just... uh, just uh, uh, Yeah, Insent- politically insensitive. It just is a moron. I don't know if that's... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's just, just... It's stupid. It's just a level of stupidity... That uh, or makes him. Oh yes, I mean, and Joe's been a senator for what, like forty years or something. My entire lifetime, he's been a senator fifty yeah. years. <clears throat> like he's obviously, he's a, if he ever had it, he's lost the plot. Now, um, I want to, I want to get on to talking about energy. <laughs> now, um, yeah. Ukraine uh, has massive untapped shale gas deposits. Um, and yet buys something like 80% of its natural gas from Russia. It produces its own natural gas Why? and petroleum because it uh, doesn't, doesn't produce enough uh, of it. it, it it's not wow. uh, performing well. Uh, and, oh, gotcha. Yeah. And, of course, uh, you know, after the collapse of the Soviet Union, still a very close relationship for decades between Ukraine 
and mm-hmm. Russia and Russian energy billionaire oligarchs were putting pressure on Ukraine, I'm sure, to buy their products. Right. Don't don't get your own stuff out of the ground. Uh, get you know buy my stuff. Um, yeah. So so. Ready to go. Well, yes. So then, what happened is uh, to just sort of give people a, 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 a little bit more background to remind people what happened. Mm-hmm. So in the in around sort of twenty twelve. 2012, around about that period, there was this push on behalf of the West to get Ukraine to join the EU. And some of the big Western energy companies like Shell and Chevron were announcing uh, contracts to start exploring, drilling, shale gas and petroleum in uh, Ukraine. Right. Now, Russia was Ukraine's largest coal supplier um, and also its largest gas supplier. So most of its energy Ukraine was getting from Russia. But when they started to announce that they were going to start Getting you know mining their own gas and coal at a, at a greater extent, mm. Russia started to clamp down on the energy supply to the Ukraine, putting up prices and clamping down on um, shipments ah. to put pressure on right. them not to do that. No, 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 no. Don't don't try and mine your own out of the ground. Keep yeah. uh, buying our stuff now. Uh, so Shell and, and Chevron and these companies sort of pulled out of the, these contracts and, and pressure kept mounting on uh, Yanukovych, who was the president of Ukraine at the time, to stay in the Russian mm-hmm. sphere of influence. So basically, the West was trying to move Ukraine into the Western sphere of influence, join the EU, join NATO, mine your own gas and coal, and in the meantime, buy it from Western interests, particularly U.S. interests, spend billions of dollars uh, with U.S. and other Western interests for your gas concerns rather than giving that money forever to the Russians. Russians obviously didn't want that. Uh, They wanted wanted to, you know, keep their own economic relationship going with the Ukraine. Yeah. Um, and and that's when it escalated, and um, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about the Maidan protests in a minute. But this is still what's going on in the Ukraine. You may have seen in the news that Rick Perry, uh, lead singer of um, right. uh, uh, Journey, uh, Journey, uh, <laughs> former lead singer of Journey, <laughs> with a Texas accent, yeah. right? Now yeah. Trump's energy. Hold on, believe in. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Hold uh, on to that feeling. <laughs> Sorry. No more, more. I promise. I promise. Oh, yeah. No. For, for a degree. second. Yeah. Light this bitch up. Um, that's why Rick Perry, who's now Trump's energy, energy secretary from Texas... He was resigning. 
uh, yeah, has been over there a lot recently. Um, he is apparently oh. trying to get the Ukraine, the new government, uh, to buy U.S. gas and coal and, uh, you know, kickstart again these um, mining and, and supply relationships to lessen mm-hmm. their reliance on the Russians. So it's, it's, as I always say, these things come down to economics. Now, in 2013, that's what was going on. 12 to 13, Ukraine, when Yanukovych was still uh, president and according uh, allegedly extremely corrupt. So he's probably taking bribes left, right and centre, as were the people in his government. Mm -hmm. Um, So Russia was supplying the majority of their energy requirements. Yanukovych was looking to move towards more um, energy dependence on behalf of Ukraine. The the, the Russian state-owned energy company Gazprom also supplies about 40% of Europe's natural gas uh, Mm. supply and delivers it through a network of pipelines through the Ukraine. So it was very important to Russia in 2012-2013 that Ukraine kept getting its energy supplies from Russia and kept being a conduit for Russian supplies to the rest of Europe because that's... You know, that's a huge chunk of the Russian economy yeah. right there. Absolutely, Absolutely. critical yeah. to the Russian yeah. economy. Um, now, what happened was in December 2013, under enormous pressure, obviously, from Russia, Ukraine's parliament voted against joining the EU, changed direction mm. all of a sudden. Looked like they were moving that direction. Then they switched. Right. Uh, which meant they were going to stay in the Russian camp with Gazprom rather than in the Western camp. And obviously this upset all of the Western energy companies. Now, a couple of months Mm -hmm. after that, violence broke out in downtown Kiev, Ukraine's capital. People were protesting, the Euromaiden protests, um, being egged on by the media, which was talking about government corruption. Now, as I explained in our last show on this, a lot of that media was led by the Chocolate King uh, and future president Poroshenko, because he owned the biggest television station as well. And he himself has bragged about the fact, in a Biden-esque way, he's Bidened the fact that um, (laughs) he... He, he he egged the yeah. protests on like he just you know started urging oh, people using his television yeah. network to get out in the streets and protest uh and managed to right. overthrow the government and have himself installed as a president and oh. Lutschenko, his right hand man becoming the chief prosecutor now the other thing that was going on here is russia's only warm water port was in Crimea. You know, we've talked, mm-hmm. uh, I know, on this show, um, back in the Sirius series, and we've talked about this on the Cold War show a lot. Right. Oh, yeah. Russia's, one of the the two things that have been, that have driven everything that Russia's done for the last 150 <laughs> years in terms of its geopolitical positioning comes down to border security, 
because they keep getting invaded, mm-hmm. usually by Germans, sometimes by Japanese, uh, sometimes by Americans and British. They keep getting invaded. So it's border security and access to warm water ports because Russia yeah. is pretty much ice blocked. Uh, like your cock blocked, they're ice blocked. They It's very hard to trade when you can't get shit in and out of the country via ships. They need access to warm water ports. The only one that they had was Crimea. Um, And when it looked like um, Ukraine was, after the the sort of um, revolution was going on, it looked like they were going to lose their influence in Ukraine, they they marched in and grabbed Crimea because it was the warm water port that they desperately needed. That's not... It's not justifying it. That's explaining it. That's why they took Crimea because exactly. it was their only warm water port. Right. Now that right. uh, that that prompted, you know, violence between Russian and pro-Western forces in eastern Ukraine. Uh, lots of Kiev was destroyed, and then basically on cue, there were there were financial rescue packages coming in from. Western-controlled organizations like the IMF and the Obama administration mm-hmm. they were putting up $17 billion worth of aid to the new Poroshenko pro-Western right. camp. Now, to be clear, these loans weren't to help rebuild the Ukraine. They were help to pay Ukraine's no, no, no. international creditors in the West bit like the Marshall Plan, as I explained mm-hmm. on the Cold War show for people who haven't listened to that. The Marshall Plan was basically a way of funneling money from U.S. taxpayers to U.S. corporations. Didn't go to Europe, as <laughs> people tend to think. It's not like pallets of cash right. were shipped over to Europe on planes and they were like, hey, good luck. Uh, you know, Sorry, we got to go, but I uh, hope, hope this helps. <laughs> Uh, no, it was yeah. a line of credit for Europe, Western right. European countries to spend in the United States. So the money went from taxpayers, gave it to the Treasury, U.S. Treasury. U.S. Treasury gave lines of credit to the Europe to spend that money with U.S. corporations who went, thank you very much. Easy money. Like no, something like, I can't remember the actual numbers, but I'm, from memory, it's like something like 95% of the Marshall Plan, $13 billion, never left the United States. It went from... The the, the, right. the the U.S. Treasury to U.S. businesses' bank accounts. But similar with this Ukrainian uh, aid, it was uh, just a way of, of you know, uh, paying money to U.S. corporations who were involved in Ukraine to make sure that they got paid and a big transfer oh, yes. of wealth. This is what, what a lot of aid, it turns out, is. A lot, right. a, lot, a lot of stuff you see yeah. classified as aid to foreign countries is just really a way of transferring money from the people's bank account into corporations' bank accounts. And they go, oh, we hit our bonuses. Let's pay. A- we hit our goals. <laughs> Let's pay ourselves bonuses this month. <laughs> pay for- and then they right. put yeah. all their, their bonuses in Panama. Now, here's another thing about the maiden protests that um, yes. we, we should understand. Um, when... It turned violent when protesters started getting shot from rooftops. There were snipers on rooftops in Kiev. Now, of course, it was blamed on the Yanukovych government and the police. But 
who was actually firing from the rooftops in Kiev? Now, there was another, there was a leaked phone call uh, around about this time between Estonia's foreign minister, a guy called Ermas Payet, and the EU's foreign policy chief, Kathy Ashton, uh, where they, he'd just come back mm-hmm. from Kiev and he was sort of bringing her up to date on the situation there. This is after the new government had, had right. just taken over. And um, I want to play a clip from this leaked telephone call. And civil society. And second, what was quite disturbing, the same Olga told that, well, all the evidence shows uh, that people who were killed by snipers from both sides, among policemen and, and people from the streets, that they were the same snipers killing people from both sides. Well, that, yeah. So that, and then she also showed me some photos. Uh, she said that has medical doctor. She can, you know, say that it is the same, same handwriting, the same type of bullets. And it's really disturbing that now the new, uh, new coalition that they don't want to investigate what exactly happened. So that there is now stronger and stronger understanding that behind snipers they were. It was not Yanukovych, but it was somebody from the new coalition. I think they do want to investigate. I mean, I didn't, I didn't pick that up. That's interesting. Gosh. Yeah, so that it was, in this sense, disturbing that if it starts now to live its own life very powerfully, that it yeah. already discreditates from very beginning also this new coalition. I mean, this is what they've got to be careful of as well, that they need to demand great change, but they've got to let the RADA function. If the RADA doesn't function, then Absolutely. it's a complete chaos. So it's all, you know, being an activist and a doctor is very, very mm. important, but it means you're not a politician. And somehow they've got to come to a kind of accommodation for the next few weeks Absolutely. with how the country's actually going to run. And I don't know if you can understand that with the accent and the quality of the phone call, but basically the foreign minister mm-hmm. of Estonia is saying that he was talking with a woman called Olga, uh, apparently, she, she's a doctor, Olga Bogomolets, who was telling him that based on her, um, I don't know, I'm sure investigation might be too big a word for it, but what she saw uh, mm-hmm. in the field is that the people on both sides who were getting sniped from the rooftops, the protesters and the police, were all being shot right. by the same people. The same, the same right. uh, weapons and from the same uh, angles and the same yeah. places. Now, the Poroshenko government did, yeah. in fact, stonewall an investigation into the shootings for a long time. Um, then, mm-hmm. then there was one uh, eventually, and it was it was decided that it was the the police under Yanukovych that were responsible for the shootings, but a lot of people are disputing it. Now, it's one of these situations where a lot of people are disputing the the findings of this investigation. They're saying it's it's a political uh, doctored uh, hearing. Uh, right. And then there are people who are saying that the people who are complaining are basically uh, just uh, doing it for political reasons impossible for mm-hmm. me to know, you know, as always, which side to believe. But it's important to know, I think, that there are, you know, relatively uh, serious people taking relatively serious positions against the, the the allegations that it was the Yanukovych government. They're suggesting, of course, that it was the Poroshenko mm-hmm. party, that there was international right. provocateurs 
that were de- trying to destabilize and, and create violence yes, uh, in the protests. Right. There's a Canadian historian who's an expert on Ukraine called Ivan Kachinovsky, who's uh, I've read a bit of his stuff. He goes into a lot of detail on this. He says, uh, no one has been sentenced for any of the Maidon killings. This was the best documented case of mass killing in history, broadcast live on TV and the yeah. internet in presence of thousands of eyewitnesses. It was filmed by hundreds of journalists from major media in the West, Ukraine, Russia, and many other countries, as well as by numerous social media users. Yet to this day, no one has been brought to justice for this major and consequential mm. crime. Now, Good point. on top of that... I want to tell you this other story that I have uh, Mm -hmm. read about recently. Now, on December 13th, 2013, as uh, all of this was starting to heat up, when when the Ukraine's parliament decided they were not going to join the EU after all, Assistant Secretary of State in the US, Victoria Nuland, did a third trip to Ukraine in five weeks mm-hmm. and later told the wow. national told the national press club since ukraine's independence in 1991 the united states has invested over five billion dollars to assist ukraine in needs and other goals now most of this was funneled into the u.s using two organizations that we're very familiar with u.s aid and their sister organization ned the National Endowment for Democracy. Now, we've mentioned these organisations before. They're infamous for allegedly being used to covertly (laughs) overthrow governments. USAID was a Cold War policy tool that was set up by Kennedy in 1961, pretty much seen by most, you know, as scholars uh, on the left as basically a front for CIA operations and operatives in these countries. They go in as aid workers and are funneling money to dissident organizations. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, In Confessions of an Economic Hitman, John Perkins talks about USAID's role. He says, economic hitmen are highly paid professionals who cheat countries around the globe out of trillions of dollars. They funnel money from the World Bank... (laughs) The U.S. Agency for International Development, USAID, and other foreign aid, in inverted commas, organizations into the coffers of huge corporations and the pockets of a few wealthy families who control the planet's natural resources. In Julian Assange's book on WikiLeaks, he says, WikiLeaks cables for Latin America and the Caribbean show how U.S. diplomatic missions coordinate closely with USAID country officers to pursue a desired course of political change. In some cases, senior US diplomats even provide direct guidance to political allies allies on how to cultivate a network of US-funded NGOs that can help them consolidate civil society support, which is basically, you know, a code for regime change. Right. And we've talked about right. their role in places like Venezuela and Syria and Cuba. They, they're active in Bolivia, pretty much anywhere, Afghanistan, Iraq, anywhere where the U.S. wants to bring about regime change, they will send in USAID and NED uh, to basically finance 
the underground, the, the right. dissident underground political finance. They train them, they organize them, and then they don't oh, yes. make any secret about this. This is their stated purpose. They call it strengthening democratic institutions. That's the code Aww. name for it. <laughs> but right. uh, it's, it's, it's pretty clear that what they're doing is trying to finance uh, dissident political groups and 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 support them to rise up and overthrow uh, the current administration. Now, continuing on this line, so this is December thirteenth. I, I said Victoria Newland, the Assistant Secretary of State, um, mm-hmm. talked about this. A, f- a couple of months later, on February fourth, two thousand and fourteen, in the middle of the Euro Maidan protests. She, right. made a, she made a telephone call to the U.S. ambassador to the Ukraine at the time, Jeffrey Pyatt. Um, sorry, they, the phone call was on uh, January 28th, 2014. Uh, it was leaked to YouTube on February 4th. Gotcha. Somebody intercepted it and recorded it and leaked it. Uh, this is in the middle of the Maidon protests. Uh, here is a clip of the uh, call, which I'm going to play. But what, what you're going to hear here is they're basically discussing who should be running the Ukrainian government after they get rid of Yanukovych. Um, okay. and, and, and the person that they pick, that she picks, is Arsenyi Yachinuk. They call him Yats. Because they're on good terms with Yachinuk, he was uh, right. a, a former European Central Banker, and they decide. Now, let me be clear here: two Americans talking on a private call, <laughs> right? Before are making decisions. <laughs> before, right. oh god, the Ukrainian government has been overthrown. Are deciding technicality. Are deciding right. who is going to run Ukraine afterwards. All right. Uh, Should here, they be voting? <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Here, here's the, the segment of the call that you need to hear. Oh, actually, I'll play the whole thing. A big, big chunk of it, anyway. What do you think? Uh, I think we're in play. Um, the the uh, Klitschko piece is obviously the. Hold on. So. I think we're in play. What does yeah. that? What does we're that in business, baby? Woo! It's working. Yeah, we're in play. We've got it. It's starting. We've got it happening. So, <laughs> I think we're in play. Fuck me. Okay, he's the he's the U.S. ambassador to the Ukraine at the time. Pyatt. The complicated right. electron here. Um, especially the announcement of him as deputy prime minister. And, and you've seen some of my notes on the troubles in the marriage right now. So we're trying to get a read really fast on where he is on this stuff. But I think your argument to him, which you'll need to make, I think that's the next phone call we want to set up, is exactly the one you made to, to Yachts. And I, I'm glad you sort of put him on the spot on where he fits in this scenario. And I'm very glad he said what he said in response. Good. So uh, I don't think Cleach should go into the government. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you think what, in terms of him not going into the government, just let him sort of stay out and do his political homework and stuff. I'm just thinking 
in terms of sort of the process moving ahead, we want to keep the moderate Democrats together. The problem is going to be Tony Boak and his guys. And, you know, I'm sure that's part of what Yanukovych is calculating on all of this. Um, I, kinda... I, 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 just, I think Yats is the guy who's got the economic experience, the governing experience. He's, he's the guy, you know, what he needs is Cleach and Tony Book on the outside. He needs to be talking to them four times a week, you know. I, I, I just think Cleach going in, he's going to be at that level working for Yatsenyuk. It's just not going to work. Yeah, no, it, I, think that's, you know? I think that's right. Okay. Good. Well, do you want us to try to set up a call with him as the next step? My understanding from that call, but you tell me, was that the big three were going into their own meeting and that Yats was going to offer in that context a, a three-way, you know, the three-plus-one conversation or three-plus-two with you. Is that not how you understood it? No, I think, I mean, that's what he proposed, but I think just knowing the dynamic that's been with them where um, – Klitschko has been the top dog. He's going to take a while to show up for whatever meeting they've got, and he's probably talking to his guys at this point. So I think you reaching out directly to him helps with the personality management among the three, and it, and it gives you also a chance to move fast on all this stuff and put us behind it, behind it before they all sit down and he, um, he explains why he doesn't like it. Okay, good. I'm happy. Why don't you reach out to him and see if he wants to talk before or after? Okay, will do. Thanks. Okay, I've now written, oh, one more wrinkle for you, Jeff. Yeah. I uh, can't remember if I told you this or if I only told Washington this, that when I talked to Jeff Feltman this morning, he had a new name for the U.N. guy, Robert Seri. Did I write yeah. you that this morning? Yeah, okay. I saw that. He, he's now gotten both Seri and Ban Ki-moon to agree that Seri could come in Monday or Tuesday. Okay. So that would be great, I think, to help glue this thing and have the U.N. help glue it. And, you know, fuck the EU. No, exactly. And I think we've got to do something to make it stick together because you can be pretty sure that if it does, if it does start to gain altitude, the Russians will be working behind the scenes to try to torpedo it. And, again, the fact that this is out there right now, I'm still trying to figure out in my mind why Yanukovych did that. But in the meantime, there's a Party of Regions faction meeting going on right now, and I'm sure there's a lively argument going on in that group at this point. But uh, anyway, we could uh, we could land jelly side up on this one if we move fast. So let me work on let me work on Klitschko, and if you can just keep, I, I think we want to try to get somebody with an international personality to um, come out here and help to midwife this thing. And then the other the other issue is some kind of outreach to Yanukovych, but we can probably regroup on that tomorrow as we see how things start to fall into place. So on that piece, Jeff, uh, when I wrote the note, uh, Sullivan's come back to me, uh, VFR, saying you need Biden, and I said probably tomorrow for an attaboy and to get the deets to stick. So okay. Biden's willing. Okay, great. All right. Thanks. Did you get the fuck the EU line? Yes, that was eerie. Fuck the EU. That was fucking eerie. We'll get yeah. Biden in to give him an old attaboy. Um so God. now of, of of course the US are, are going to be trying to manipulate things to 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 their ends Yatchinook uh yeah. sorry Yatchinook eventually did become prime minister um after Yanukovych was kicked out uh he held the position for a few years um there's now an Interpol warrant for his arrest mm -hmm. but uh that's coming out of Russia which isn't surprising yeah um so 
so there you go. Specifically, just to, to point out the highlights of that call, you have two senior American political officials um, discussing uh, who's going to run Ukraine after they manage right. uh, after the, the the current guy's gone. So look, you add that um, conversation. So obviously, I mean, it, it's it's impossible to dispute that the US were trying to manipulate who the new government of Ukraine was. That, that was right. their plan. And all the players. Yeah. Pyatt yeah. said, um, we're in play. I think we're in play. Suggests that uh, they wanted this regime change to happen. How, to what degree they had been involved in, in manipulating events or urging on events, prodding right. events. I don't know, but she had just a couple of months earlier said they'd spent $5 billion in Ukraine since uh, the fall of the Soviet Union. Um, with all of the energy fighting that was going on there, US control of Ukraine's energy supply versus Russian control, the, the um, debate over who was firing from the rooftops, etc., etc., <laughs> during the protests. I mean, it's it's... It's a very murky, murky story. According to a guy called Edward Chow, uh, just getting back to Biden and Burisma, Edward Chow yeah. was a top executive at Chevron. He's now a fellow at the Center for Strategic and International Studies in Washington, which, quite frankly, is a right-wing think tank. So take this um, yes. as you will. But he says Burisma, this is the company that Hunter Biden was on the board of, claims to be the largest private non-state producer of gas in Ukraine, which somehow magically acquired its licenses for drilling. It's an insider crooked deal. Everyone's concerned about corruption in Ukraine and nobody does anything about it. So, mm. you know, that, that there's plenty of suggestions that Burisma and their deals are corrupt, but a guy, you know, uh, Biden's Mr. Solid... Gave them a clean bill of health, right. uh, collapsed the investigation into them. Now, the state-owned Ukrainian gas company is, is Nafta Gas, again, well-known as being totally corrupt. The former CEO, Ole Dubnya, uh, was accused of corruption by Yanukovych. And on the board of Nafta Gas mm -hmm. right now is a guy called Amos Hochstein. Do you know who Amos mm. Hochstein is, Ray? Wasn't he, God, was he Biden's advisor in the Ukraine? I know the name. Good one, Ray. Yeah, I thought you were going to say, wasn't he Amos and Andy uh, <laughs> radio show host? No. That was my second, second guess. So he's got a connection to Biden. Go ahead. Assistant Secretary of State for Energy Resources under Obama Ooh. and a close advisor, okay. according to his uh, bio. To Biden went right. Veep. So one of Biden's close advisors is on the board of the Ukrainian gas company. Huh. Biden's son that was fine. and his son's best friend <laughs> are on the board of the largest non-state producer of gas. We're on the board up until recently in the Ukraine. But oh, nothing, nothing to see here. Nothing to see here, right? No, nothing to see here. <laughs> It's not like it's Come not on. like the Biden family are trying to extract millions of dollars of Ukrainian taxpayer money they have. Uh, right. into their bank accounts. No, 
No, yeah. no, no, yeah. no, no evidence of wrongdoing, Ray. <clears throat> according uh, to the media. Yes, according to the fourth estate, whose job you would think it is to uh, cut through the bullshit. Well, we're an hour and ten, and I... I am fucking exhausted. So... <laughs> Nobility intercourse. Yeah, give me one second. Some women, I guess, don't you are so evil that, that they, deserve, they deserve okay, to be strangled <clears throat> to death so, and thrown down the stairs. Because she's a whore. Jimmy's getting angry!